Good morning. First off, let's give it up for the praise team real quick. <laughs> They're always here week after week leading us in worship. It means a lot to me, so thank you guys for always doing that. Um, Mr. Lance has already been through the announcements, thank goodness, because I don't remember most of them. <laughs> but um, I will say, if you did not, if you were K through 5 or younger, and you want to color, or if you just want to color in general, there's stuff out there in the lobby, make sure to grab some of those. I put the crayons together myself. <laughs> um, I'm very honored to be back up here. I guess that means I didn't do too bad the first time, so thank goodness. Um, I'm also very honored to be the first one to preach with our new TVs and our big stained glass window. So take that, Mr. Lance. <laughs> now, I'm not sure if anyone realizes it. I did not realize it before this week, but it is so much easier to write a sermon when a holiday or a big event is right next to it. Uh, getting the inspiration from that holiday and making the connection is a lot easier than just picking a topic out of a hat. <laughs> so, Mr. Lance, bravo for doing that <laughs> every week. <laughs> With that being said, as we all know, Halloween is two days away. Yes, if you did not know that, this is your very last second to get costumes and candy. <laughs> because it is For a lot of kids, this is one of their favorite times of the year. They're able to dress up as literally anything they want. They're able to share with people in the community and their neighborhood things that they find cool and exciting. Halloween is a pretty exciting time for them. At our fall fest, there were a bunch of cool costumes. We had a Link, we had a Darth Vader, we had a Golden Ninja, we had a Rosalina, <laughs> and I'm gonna try this to get this in the right order if I don't, sorry. We had a Rainbow Unicorn Butterfly Kitten. She told me so many times what her costume was. Every time I got the order wrong, she corrected me. But <laughs> it was a really cool costume. Um, and there were so many more costumes. Halloween is a time where you are able to live your fantasies and share some of the stuff that you find interesting with everyone else. Also, one big exciting part is candy. All right, the kids at our Fall Fest had so much candy. For all of the donations, everyone that donated, thank you guys so much. We had more than we could ever dream, <laughs> so thank you guys for donating. At one point, I was telling the kids, hey, get a handful. I was just carrying around a bucket, and I was telling them, get their hands as wide as you can, and then they get some, and if they had a small hand, I was like, oh, get two more. Like, it was, we had so much candy. But for kids, Halloween, I've said this a lot, but Halloween is an exciting time of the year. For some adults, Halloween may seem scary. Not in the sense that they're worried someone's going to sneak up behind them and go, boo, but in the sense of the world. Some adults are worried about Halloween, and some adults are even more excited for Halloween than the kids are. There are a lot of mixed feelings about this holiday, but regardless of your feelings about Halloween, there's a few lessons we can learn from it and use in our lives as Christians today. Now, with all that being said, this is not a sermon trying to sell you on why Halloween is the greatest. I'm not trying to convince you to love it, anything like that. I'm just pointing out some positives and hoping to shift a few perspectives. One big principle of Halloween that often does not get talked about because we're so focused on costumes and all this stuff, we forget about the aspect of giving. Not just giving to the people you know or your loved ones, but you're giving to absolute strangers. This year, I have moved to a new city, 
I've moved to a place where in my little neighborhood, cul-de-sac, whatever you want to call Wilson Woods, <laughs> I know three people. So when kids come and knock on the door, I'm not going to know who they are, but they'll get candy. <laughs> it's just the aspect of giving that is one reason why I find Halloween so special. Think about how much hate and negative news reports are out in the world right now. Times where people have been extremely rude and mean to others, it's become so much of a trend, there's even a nickname for people who start yelling in grocery stores. But on Halloween, many of us put that aside and we focus on the youth. We're able to focus on the kids and we have the desire to make it special for them. We don't know most of these kids, like I said earlier, but we want to see them smile. Or if they have a mask on, we want to hear them say thank you. We don't worry about the different beliefs, the different ideas, the different perspectives that those kids might have. All we are worried about is that they are a kid looking for candy on our doorstep. How great is that generosity? From going from not knowing someone to if you pass them in Walmart, you're just walking, doing your business. You're not worried about them. To this night, you're able to make it special for them where we had the desire to hand out candy to strangers, but do we keep that same care throughout the year? On Halloween, it's important for the kids to have a good time. It's important to see them smile. But do we keep that same mentality? More often than not, we don't know the kids, but we're excited to be there for them. The reason I think this is so special is due to how selfish we can normally be. We can spend insane amount of money for things that we enjoy. My parents, they're in the front row, they used to get so upset with me on how much money I spent on shoes. I had over a hundred pair at one time, and none of them were like $10, $20 shoes. I could not wear those, absolutely not. I was wearing Jordans, I was wearing Nikes. The minimum price for my shoes were about $140. And that was when they were on sale. <laughs> so my parents were always on me about that. They're like, save your money, save your money. My mom to this day will still go, your shoes are going to dry rot. <laughs> she called me last night and complained about that. But <laughs> we spend insane amount of money on ourselves for things that we enjoy. If you have a TV, a radio, or at this point a messenger pigeon bringing you letters, then you have heard the name Taylor Swift. In the past year, just for her Eras tour, tickets are starting out at $1,147. Starting, all right, that is not the backstage passes, front row, and you get a baby panda along with it. That is, you're up in the nosebleeds. You're in a different altitude. <laughs> all you can see is the glitter from her dress. And you're paying $1,200 for that. But that's a memory. That's a once-in-a-lifetime thing, at least for $1,200, I hope it would be once-in-a-lifetime. That is something very, very special that you would be able to remember forever. We're willing to pay so much for our own experiences. And ever since she started her tour, she has sold out almost every single... Sorry, my laptop did something weird. <laughs> she had sold out almost every single show. For her entire air tours, there have only been two shows that were not sold out, and they are in Brazil and somewhere else that I don't remember. <laughs> but all the ones in the U.S., they are completely sold out. We, as Americans, are willing to go to extremes, especially financially, to make ourselves happy. 
And think about athletes for a second. They push their body so much just to be able to play professionally. They push their bodies to the extreme because they want to be great. They sacrifice so much to be able to reach the achievements that they desire. Many players during their retirement speeches often talk about, I'm glad to be done because now I can, be time, I can spend time with my family. I'm glad to be done because I can start a family. Often all their sacrifices came at the expense of others. They would often talk about their wild schedules and the diets that they had to remain in top athletic shape. They were sacrificing a lot to follow their dreams. For an example, J.J. Watt. For those of you who might not know the name J.J. Watt, he was a professional football player. He was one of the most electric defensive ends of all times, and he dominated a lot of the 2010 era. For his resume, he's a five-times pro bowler, five-time first-team All-Pro, an MVP runner-up, and a four-time NFL sack leader. Now, for those of you who don't know what that means, he was on a team that played the Indianapolis Colts, my favorite team, twice a year. He was a monster. <laughs> every, every time we played him, he absolutely destroyed us. Single-handedly, he was the best player on the field. So, with that came a lot of sacrifices. Here is, I've tracked his diet and exercise plan, not personally, but, but I googled it, <laughs> in case you couldn't tell. So every day, he would wake up at 5 a.m. Now I know, I've lost a handful of people right there, all right? I wouldn't wake up at 5 a.m. either. But he would work out for a total of six hours a day. Six hours just in there pumping iron or running on a treadmill or whatever professional athletes do. To put that into perspective, I don't spend six hours a day on my phone. My screen, my screen time this morning was five hours and 42 minutes a day. So he is being physically active more <laughs> for so long, he doesn't even have time to sit down. Between team workouts, his personal training, and then his personal workouts, those are separate things, I didn't know that either. <laughs> but those are the sacrifices that he made as a professional athlete. His diet... He had two of every meal. Every morning, he started with a 900-calorie breakfast consisting of oats, half a dozen eggs, and then sausage or bacon. His second breakfast, four more eggs, sausage, bacon, and a bagel. For lunch, three chicken breasts, whole wheat pasta, Italian dressing, and a side of broccoli for his first lunch. His second lunch, two more chicken breasts, sweet potatoes, grilled carrots. Then for dinner, a lean meat. He said often lamb chops, whole wheat noodles, and grilled asparagus. For his second dinner, steak filet, additional spaghetti, and steamed broccoli. Totaling at 9,000 to 10,000 calories a day. And Lord only knows how much money. J.J. <laughs> Watt is now retired, and his main reason for retiring is because he wanted to start a family. He had made so many sacrifices that his wife she is also a professional athlete. She plays in the MLS. But they had made so many sacrifices that they did not have time for each other. He is out there six hours a day away from home working out. And as much food as he had, he's probably eating for another two hours just sitting there chewing. <laughs> Nonetheless, whatever she was doing, so they did not have time for each other. Now that they're retired, they're able to start a family. 
We can make so many sacrifices for ourselves and for our dreams, and we can spend so much money on what we want to do, but how often do we make sacrifices to serve? How many resources do we put out there to bring the lost into God's loving arms? We're willing to devote 10 years of our lives to follow a dream. We're willing to pay thousands of dollars for a memorable trip or a good experience. We are willing to do literally anything to make ourselves happy. But what are we willing to do to make God happy? Now, like I said earlier, some of us get super excited for Halloween. We put out a bunch of inflatables and lights, and we get pumped for it. And our main reason is we want people to come by and see it. Hopefully, trick-or-treaters. We talked about this briefly already, but let's change the perspective. Instead of talking about the ones getting the candy, let's talk about, nope, sorry. <laughs> Instead of talking about giving the candy, let's talk about the ones receiving it. Now, obviously, this is the main reason that kids get excited. Abby, do me a favor. What do you enjoy more on Halloween? Candy or going to bed? Candy. See, candy, easy. <laughs> that was an easy one. Kids love candy. I love candy, all right? I, my mom loves candy. <laughs> um, but we love to be able to receive. Whether it's presents or compliments or candy or anything of the sort, we love to be able to receive. If we're getting something good or nice, we're all for it. Now, often we'll go and receive, but how often do we go out and serve? How often are we going door to door to give? Instead of trick-or-treating where we're going and we're knocking on the door and saying, oh, trick-or-treat, and we're expecting something in our bag, how often are we going door to door knocking and saying, hey, what can I do? I'm here as a Christian. God bless you. What can I do for you? The greatest thing we are told to do as Christians was not to receive from people. So let's check out Matthew 28, 18 through 20. This is Jesus giving us the great commission. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you to the very end of the age. Our greatest command that Jesus ever gave us was to go, make, and teach. I'm going to say that again. The greatest command that Jesus ever gave us was to go, make, and teach. Never once was it going to be sit still, wait for people to come to you, and then push them away whenever you're finished talking. Go, make, and teach. With the Great Commission in mind, how often do we follow that? How often, church, are we going out there to serve? How many times have we actively been giving to others? If you can answer both of those questions and say, yeah, I do that, then that's awesome. Please continue. There's so many people out this door that need help. There's so many people in this door that need help. There are a bunch of different ways to serve. There are plenty of ways to help. Please keep that up. But if the answer is no, then let me extend this encouragement. We've seen for weeks videos on Operation Christmas Child. 
for our visitors, Operation Christmas Child, the kids get a bunch of toys that people will pay for and send to different countries, but they also get the gospel. They're able to see what God will do through these books in their own language, and there's been plenty of impactful stories of how that's affected them. Serving does not take an arm and a leg. It can simply just be, hey, how are you doing? Let me check on you. Let me take you out to lunch. Operation Christmas Child, some boxes were filled up $15, $20. That act of service can change someone's life. I understand it's not always easy to find time for others when we have to have all 24 hours in a day. We have to take care of our family. We have to go to work. And sometime in there, we have to have a social life. Then we have to sleep. That's a lot. It gets stretched thin. In no way am I saying that serving needs to become a daily activity. If you can manage that and stay healthy, that's amazing. But for a lot of people, it would be very difficult and possibly harmful. But what I want to encourage you guys to do is maybe find once a month. Once a month, just find somewhere to serve. Whether it's taking your elderly neighbor's trash to the road for them helping someone load groceries in their car. Or if you see someone struggling mentally, physically, on a corner, whatever it may be, ask to pray with them. Now, in each of these situations, you can go a bit farther. You can take it farther, you can serve more, whatever you want to do. But in the ways that I just listed, those are where people are most receptive to help. These services are needed and helpful, but for you as the server, they're also convenient. They don't take out a chunk of your day helping someone load groceries in their car. You're walking from your car to the grocery store. You're not going out of your way. If you are, it's two steps. <laughs> it's not taking a huge chunk. It's just helping them with the heavy things. In Galatians 5, 13 through 14, we are told to serve one another humbly. It says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now I'm going to read that again, and what I want you guys to do is re-say that golden rule with me. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. Do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. Our individual time is so important, but it should not be used for self-indulgence. Our liberty isn't intended to be spent on ourselves, but poured out in service to others. We are called to be servants. We are called to serve one another. Here, Paul reiterates Jesus' point that the entire Old Testament law is fulfilled in loving our neighbor as ourselves, in finding service for them. We are called to serve. Now, when we serve, we do so with a clean mindset not with the intention of getting something out of it, because we're told in Luke 6 that our reward is in heaven. But we are supposed to have a servant heart. When we serve, we do so out of kindness and the hope to shine Jesus' light. 
oftentimes uh, at Mackey, we had to hit uh, community service hours. We had to have 60, 60 hours of community service to graduate. And oftentimes we would see, oh, I also told the news, so maybe they'll come take a picture of us. That's not what it's for. They missed the point of it. The point is to get out there and serve someone humbly. Do it for them, not for yourself. When you serve, do so in hoping that you can spread Jesus' name, not publicize your own. On Halloween, we love to see happy faces and hear the cute thank yous when we hand out the candy. But what can we do beyond that? Outside of just handing out candy, what can we do for those kids? When telling my friends that this was going to be my message, I was met with a little bit of kickback. One of my friends is completely against Halloween. And so with him not being a fan of this sermon, he asked me, do you think Jesus would participate in Halloween? And he said it just like that, so smug. And so very quickly, very quickly, I said, yeah, absolutely. In which he was, he didn't agree. <laughs> but, but it got me thinking. I don't think Jesus would dress up as his favorite movie character or his favorite singer. I don't think Jesus would be the one going door to door asking for candy. But he would, be, he would be there. He would have his porch light on waiting for kids to come knock on his door. And then that made me think a little bit more. Every now and then, very rare, I'll say something smart, and that makes me think. This was one of those times. So I want you guys to pause for one second. Is that not what Jesus is already doing? Jesus isn't coming to us banging on our door, demanding our lives. Jesus is there waiting. He is waiting for us to come willingly. He wants us to knock on his door and receive the sweet gift of eternal life. We are the ones who are called to go door to door. We are the ones that are called to spread God's word. We are called to show a way for Jesus while he sits there at the right hand of God and waits for us and our brothers and our sisters to freely go to him. We are so quick to turn this holiday away that we sometimes don't realize the amazing opportunity it can be. We know that it is combined, uh, that's not the word, <laughs> we know that it is put together with evil doings. We know witchcraft, different things like that, and that's how we associate Halloween in our brains. So often, even though we are told to shine our light, we cut our porch light off. We tell them we don't want anyone around. Stay away from us. Some of us don't like Halloween for what it represents, but when is it time to change that narrative? We often say society is ruining people, society is entering the church, all this stuff. When does the church enter society? When are we out there trying to serve? When are we out there trying to change some things up? A lot of people think this is a terrible holiday and it should be canceled, but hear me out, hear me out. This is a great time to be able to share Jesus. When a kid or a family willingly walks up to your doorstep, you open it with a huge smile and a bowl of candy ready. All right, that's Halloween protocol. Check that off the list. But 
Then ask the parents, hey, can I pray for you? Can I say a quick 15, 20 second prayer for you and the rest of your night? Just that small thing, 15 to 20 seconds. If they say yes, then you've changed Halloween. It's no longer focused on candy, candy, candy. It's focused on, hey, they prayed for us. If they say yes often, they're going to think about it later. They'll think about, huh, remember when that family prayed for us? They'll come back next year, maybe, expecting the same thing. You never know what one prayer can do. If you believe in prayer, say amen. Amen. The power of prayer is real. Just that small thing. If people are willingly walking up to you, do whatever you can. If they say yes, like I said, then you have changed Halloween. If they say no, then that's all right. People are going to say no. People are going to turn it down. But why is that important? Why am I responsible for changing Halloween? I don't want to hand out candy. I just want to sit down, watch my TV, play my game, and they can have whatever type of night they're having. But let's read the Great Commission again. Then Jesus said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the end of the age. Go, make, and teach. If they're coming on your doorstep, they're knocking on your door, you don't even have to go that far. You're going from the couch to your front door. Make, pray with them, encourage them to find a church, whatever you see fit, Be that light that will shine for Jesus. Your porch light is on that draws them in. You be the light that draws them to Jesus. Teach. Hopefully you're able to keep up with them. They come back, they check on you, whatever it may be, and you're able to teach them the way of a Christian. Go, make, and teach. I've said this many times in this sermon, I've said it even more in youth group, and I will say it so many more times throughout my life. We are called to serve. As Christians, we are called to serve. If we are taking these opportunities for granted and letting them pass by us, then are we actually doing all we can to serve? Are we actually out there loving our neighbors, or are we pushing them aside because we're worried about what might happen? We might be against Halloween, but how often do we think about turning this holiday around? Now, like I said, the entire point of this sermon was not to focus you guys on Halloween about what a great holiday it is. This is an example to say, hey, it could be this easy to serve. It can be this simple to be out there in your community simply by just asking people to pray with them. Now, if you're against Halloween and don't support it, By all means, I'm not trying to sway you. Find other ways to serve. You see a family in the supermarket and you know that they're struggling. Maybe the kid's a little bit out of control. Parents, looks like they're on the verge of tears. Just ask to pray with them. Ask to help them with their grocery shopping. You don't have to pay the bill. Just help the kid. 
play with them, distract them a little bit. That way the mom or the dad or the grandparent or whoever is not taking the full brunt of everything. Find simple ways to serve. There are plenty of different ways that we can go out there and we can help people. But do we have that servant's heart? Once again, we are called to serve. So we might be against it, but can we turn this holiday around? Can we shift it from the evilness that it's associated with into, hey, this could be fun. Let's find some kids in the community, see if they have a church, see if they know God. How often do we use our time for giving? How often are we inspired to go door to door and serve? Now, as the band comes back up here, if you have the desire to serve, or if you have a decision to make in your life today, Mr. Lance and I will be waiting up here at the front. Throughout this message, it was not Halloween's amazing, Halloween's amazing. It is God's amazing. Jesus is amazing. We are told, go, make, and teach. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for allowing us to congregate here today in your house. Thank you for all that you do for us and the many blessings that we receive, God. I just ask that you be with us, grant us safe travels, and let us be able to serve you, Lord. In thy name I pray, amen.